Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And as you can see, I have a nice big blue background behind me this week. Representing. Of course. <laughs> and we are the Green Beige Podcast. And we are here this week to get you guys caught up on a very active week nine in the NFL. No, of course, as we always do every week, we go off the rip. And this week, off the rip, we are going with our blitz. No, this week was the week for the underdogs. Lots of the underdogs definitely got some wins and it was upset central in the NFL. So we have a lot of options this week for, I think, pretty much all of our categories. So AJ, as always, we start with the biggest winner. Who is your biggest winner for week nine? Um, so my biggest winner this week um, is the Cleveland Browns. Because I think that the way they dominated um, and the, the kind of dominant performance they had, especially being against a division rival, they were on the road as well. Um, it was, it was, it was a solid win. And what the the man who his whose name who ha, has been a part of the recent um, off field controversy, or well, kind of on field off field in a sense, um, he had a solid game. It wasn't spectacular by any means, but it was solid. Um, but it, more than that, it was revealed after the game that I think Miles Garrett is who came out and, and gave a story about how in the huddle, you know, like he's, I guess he's more the team captain than anyone else. It's like, it's like Miles Garrett's team, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in the huddle, he actually, he said that, you know, he as they were, as they were able to speak before the game, he looked at Baker and he was like, all right, you got this. And finally, Baker gave them a speech and rallied them. You know, must he put in a, at the end one, two, three progressive something, something to, <laughs> something, <laughs> something to get them going. But whatever it was, it, it clearly worked. Um, both uh, all you are not just both, I should say, but all three units were were on on ball. Um, no pun intended. And yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that they believe in Baker. And despite, uh, I mean, and everything that was going on recently was. Kind of like obviously uh, talking about him and his talent, but it this this the, the way that the team rallied around him and, and again I said like he wasn't spectacular in this game he wasn't over the top like you know but he, again he was solid the rest of the team did what they had to do and amidst all the noise that was going on about Cleveland recently I think that that win for me merits um, biggest winners um, status for for this week. Nice. Uh, I did not have Cleveland anywhere in my in my write-up for the biggest <laughs> winner this week, but it was a quality win for sure. But for my biggest winner, I have to give that to the Arizona Cardinals. Now the Arizona Cardinals, they went to San Francisco and they beat the 49ers in their building 31 to 17. What was most impressive about this was that they went into this game with no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, Mm -hmm. no AJ Green, no JJ Watt. And in addition to that, they lose Chase Edmonds very early in the piece as well. So now you're left with Colt McCoy and James Conner, who's the backup running back. 
No, you remember there was a time when everybody thought that James Conner really was not a good running back. That James Conner could not produce, especially outside of Pittsburgh, because he wasn't even producing in Pittsburgh. But James Conner in this game, he had 26 touches, both uh, receptions and rushes. 173 all-purpose yards and three total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Colt McCoy, the backup to Kyler Murray, 22 of 26, 249 yards and one touchdown. Now, at the same time, we have Jimmy Garoppolo, who for Jimmy Garoppolo, had a relatively decent game. He threw mm-hmm. for 326 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. George Kittle comes back like if he's never left. Six <laughs> catches, 101 yards, one touchdown. It didn't matter. The cards are 8-1 and one for the second time since 1950. And one stat that I found, found was very, very impressive now you know i've been critical of cliff kinsbury i was critical Mm -hmm. when he was hired and i've been skeptical of him for the majority of his time in arizona oh yeah but cliff kingsbury has gotten the arizona cardinals to over to pass 400 total yards for the 18th time since 2019 so that is something that is worthy of commendation. True. Uh, then on the other side, of course, there's Kyle Shanahan, who we know recognize has the same win percentage as Chip Kelly, 44.4%. But we will deal with Shanahan another time. So that is why I have the Arizona Cardinals as my biggest winners for week nine. Mm, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, so of course, you know, after we go biggest winner, then there's somebody that has to be the biggest losers of the week. So, AJ, who gets your gong for biggest loser? It sounded like you were about to say lunatics, and I feel like that word is apt as well, because the Rams have to be lunatics. The Rams are my biggest losers, and they have to be lunatics. Now, the entire world, the entire, like, if you're part of any kind of football fraternity, whether you just watch, whether you play it, Everyone has been talking about how the Titans will need to, to restructure and reconfigure their offense. Uh, even, even if, I mean, we know that they, they still plan to be, you know, run-centric because they brought an AP to play alongside um, all the other guys that they have there, right? Yeah. But still, losing Derrick Henry was supposed to be like a big thing, right? And can all of us who did the primetime pick on last week pick the Rams? Like, no one thought that the Rams were going to lose this. The first game that the Titans would have to play without Derrick Henry, that they would beat the Rams in LA. You, you know why I put them as the biggest losers? This is not a good look for the Rams, you know. Based on everything I just said about the Titans. And, and let, let me put this into context. The Titans' offense scored 14 points in this game. The Titans' offense only scored 14 points. So, so it's, not, it's, it's not even a case of, like, the, the, like they were overwhelming, like overwhelmingly good offensively. They were just some terrible um, LA offensive players that led to, like, Matt Stafford just really had a Carson Wentz moment at yes. some point. And, <laughs> but in any case, I, I, do you realize, no, right? I mean... One can say that it was just one of those nights for the Rams, but I, I don't know if you realize this, but the Rams are actually one and two 
against teams with a record over 500, against teams with winning records at this point in time, right? Against good teams. Had not noticed that. Yes. The only, the, the, the only three teams, these three teams that they played, the Bucks, whom they beat in week three, when they had farmers and fishermen at corners, <laughs> they lost to the Cardinals, and now they've lost to the Titans, Ken. The other team that they... <laughs> you're laughing, but the other teams that they've beaten... <laughs> It's like the giant. No, nah, because I mean, you you know, you know that the problems that the Bucks had very early in the season, right? Yes, of with, course. With their corners, right? I mean, it's, a win is a, a dub is still a dub. I get that, but the Rams haven't been ha, ha, They don't have quality wins under the under their belt, and and a win is a win at the end of the day. But it it doesn't look good, especially when Arizona just lost their first game. You get to be level with them. Now you're losing to another team that's five hundred. I mean. You know what? It, it probably does make sense that, that they're out here risking at everybody that's free. I'm pretty sure OBJ might end up there too, but we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Of course. So I, I do agree that the Rams definitely would deserve a spot on the podium for Biggest Loser this week. An honorable mention has to go to Buffalo. You only score six points against Jacksonville inexcusable of course but we're not wasting our time talking about that because even that like they should have probably just stayed in at home and just forfeit the game it would have looked better than to go and only get six points against jacksonville however my biggest loser for this week is the cincinnati bengals again two weeks in a row so after you went and you you laid the egg against the jets last week and you, you made mention of the Browns being your biggest winner. So I don't have to go back through a lot of that. But the fact still remains that they shipped 41 points to the Browns. Yeah. At one point in time during that game, Baker Mayfield had a Baker Mayfield had a perfect passer rating of 158.3. It does not get better than that. Baker Mayfield had 158.3 passer rating. Hey. He finishes the game. Hey, watch yourself, all right? Okay, no problem. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch my life here. But 14 of 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. As you said, this is a team that had all kinds of headaches leading up to this game, and they got rid of Ola Beckham Jr., who apparently was the weight that was keeping this team down. Chubb, 14 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. And on the other side, we have Joe Burrow, 28 of 40, 282 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, one of them a 99-yard pick six. Five players are logging a rush, according to the bot score, and they only get 85 yards total. The Browns Uh, last week, before they played the Jets, mm -hmm. were the number one team in the AFC, and now they are in the basement of the AFC North. The Bengals, yeah, sorry, the Bengals. Mm -hmm. The Bengals' wheels have fallen completely off. Of their wagon, yeah, I I can't really argue too much. Not too much. I just want you to watch your link with Baker, but you you kept it in line. That's fine. Yeah, no, I I'm not here to dog him when he does not deserve dogging. We just know 
that like the Cowboys is coming. The time is coming. And I'll be right here. Waiting. Okay, move on. Move on. <laughs> okay, no problem. On to the least inspiring win. Mm. The least inspiring win this week, AJ. Who gets your, your title for least inspiring? Okay, so the Texans lost again, right? Like, no surprise there. Of course. And, and while the most important thing here for the Dolphins is that a dub is a dub, Ken, these men scored 17 points against the Houston Texans. 17 points. I want you to know right, that the least amount of points that the Texans' defense has conceded has given up for the entire season is 24 to the Panthers. That was the least they have given up. Everything mm-hmm. else was... There was another game where they gave up 25. can't remember exactly who that was to. Um, was that our game? Either way. Other than that, it's a bunch of 30s and 40 <laughs> and all kind of thing, you know. And the mm-hmm. Dolphins scored 17 points. Well... I don't feel I need to explain anymore why that is the least inspiring win of the week to me. Understood. Well, my least inspiring win is that Monday night game. Pittsburgh beating Chicago 29 to 27. So Ben Roethlisberger, he did not have a bad game. He, you know, he, he threw a couple touchdowns. He did not turn the ball over, which for him is important because he has not proven himself to be, you know, the explosive player that he can overcome turnovers and the like. However, I'm looking at that Pittsburgh defense. Pittsburgh's defense is supposed to be an elite unit. It's not just supposed to be good. It's supposed to be great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that defense could not get a stop against Justin Fields in that fourth quarter. So we can admittedly look at what happened through the entirety of the game and say, yes, the defense seemed to have had the beers under control for the majority of the game. But they were also getting a lot of help from the refs. The refs were on some serious nonsense last night. Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, I, I, I thought about tweeting it, but I decided not to tweet it. I decided to save it till we got here. Mm-hmm. Because there are lots of things that got called on the Bears that apparently the refs couldn't find their flags for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But getting back to that fourth quarter, the Pittsburgh Steelers allowed the Bears to come all the way back in that game and take the lead. However, the fact still remained that the Bears took the lead and left too much time on the clock. On the clock. Mm-hmm. Which then gave Ben Roethlisberger an opportunity to come down the field and get them into position for a field goal. Mm-hmm. But you know one of the things that also helped the Bears, uh, sorry, helped Pittsburgh in that fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. The worst taunting call I have seen this season. So you're going to tell me that a man who sacks the quarterback on fourth down and does not unpick his teeth to say anything. He, no, one of the things that I also made mention of with regards to this particular lane marker is that he also spent some time on the Pittsburgh Steelers practice squad this season. So when you don't get an opportunity with the team and now you come back and you make probably the biggest defensive play in the game. Because at that time, 
Pittsburgh is now completely out of field goal range. They have mm. to then punt the ball. He takes, yes, okay. So he takes some steps in the direction of the Pittsburgh bench. But he does not even make it to the numbers, AJ. He is somewhere in between the numbers and the hash. How is that taunting? He's not saying anything. He's just looking at them. And of course, then he will make comments regarding the hip check that he gets from the ref, who's then throwing the flag and hitting him for 15 yards. My heart went out to him because you are a practice squad player. You're doing, you are doing whatever you can to have this moment. And the refs rob you of this. If I was Matt Nagy, on behalf of my team, I would have taken the fight. I would have blasted the refs when we got into that post game because there's no way that we could be getting hit for 12, 13 penalties and only two penalties go against the Pittsburgh Steelers in an entire football game. Something is wrong there. Pittsburgh can't be feeling very, like you said, a win is a win. A dub is a dub. And when you have a stroke in that win column, it feels pretty good. But there's not much coming out of that game with the exception of Najee Harris and his performance, that they should be hanging their hats on today. I am sorry. Understood. That's actually a perfect segue. Yep. Wait, did we come... Oh, wait a second. Yes, that was the least inspiring... I gave you the least inspiring win for my moral victory. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, you gave oh that was my mistake. I got caught up in my notes. So that was my, my error. Oh, so that, we, what what you gave was just what the least inspiring win, right? Yes, I just gave yeah, the least inspiring so, win. No, you're still good because you asked me least inspiring win that you gave yours. So okay. We have, oh, so we now, more, yeah, we have, we have more victory now. Yeah. Ah, okay. That was my error. Yeah. My error again. I got lost in my notices now. So, yeah. who is your moral victory for this week? So, the reason why I said it's a perfect segue is because my moral victory is the Bears. Mm. Um, I because I, I I won't lie to you, and I did not see any action this last weekend. As much as I wanted, there are certain games I wanted to see. We outlined that every week, but last last weekend was my anniversary, right? So I wasn't focused on and it was on the Sunday itself so I was not focused on the games I just saw scores I did anniversary greetings to you sir I appreciate it my brother appreciate it um I did get to see last night's game fleeting because again I was kind of tied up with some stuff at that time um so I was watching in and out so I can't say that that I'm aware of all the calls that may have been missed that you were pointing out however I did see the, the Marsh play and obviously seen it on replays. And I think generally, I think generally, I mean, to, to go back to your point though, I the call is just, not not the call, at the beginning of the season, this is one of the topics that you brought up, right? Yep. About the, the new taunting, um, taunting rule. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I hate it. But Same it is here. a rule, none, it is a rule nonetheless at this point. I, I, I kind of understand. I like. I don't have a problem with him getting the call for taunting because he he was he was there for a while. He was there for a while, but that's neither here nor there with that. Um, at the end of the day, the overarching point is this, and as you just so eloquently ended your last segment by saying, 
the refs had a part to play in this game, right? And the fact of the matter is, we're here saying, and it seems like the general consensus that the refs played a big part in the Bears losing this game. And it wasn't just a case of the Bears were all played for four quarters once again. Justin Fields actually showed at, at a certain point in time, Justin Fields actually looked like a quarterback. He did. He did. He did. I, I, I saw that much. I saw that much. Um, so, I, that, I mean, they still lost, but I think that's a moral victory in itself. It's just the fact that they came that close. They came this close against, as you said, a Pittsburgh defense that is supposed to be elite. I, I, they could probably take something away from it. It, it is... It, it, yeah, it, 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 um, it, it may bode well for them going forward. I mean, the season is still done. They have nothing to achieve but bragging rights or, you know, just a little bit of pride. However, they should hang their heads, hold their heads high. Sorry, not hang their heads. But hold their heads high after their performance last night. All right. So my moral victory for this week. And, I mean, this should not come as any great surprise to anyone. But it is the Baltimore Rivets. I had the Baltimore Ravens as my moral victory. I actually had two teams. And the other team, uh, I'll give it to you. I'll just tell you who they were. It was the New England Patriots who beat the Carolina Panthers 24 to 6. Yes, but you will get that spew some other time. I want to focus sure. on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. No, the Baltimore Ravens, they are the heart attack kings of the NFL. They seem to start very slowly in games, but most of the time, they're able then to come back and pull their fat out of the fire. Mm -hmm. They're down 24 to 14 heading into the fourth, and they were able to come all the way back and force overtime against a very game Vikings team. Mm -hmm. Now, we keep hearing lots of... I, would have to say silly criticisms with regards to Lamar Jackson. We heard that Lamar Jackson, he doesn't play well from the pocket, but he has been passing well from the pocket this season. He has been playing from the pocket. They say that he is just a glorified running back at the quarterback position, but then how do you then compensate for his arm when he's playing as well as he has been? In this game, he goes up against a pure pocket passing Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson outpasses Kirk Cousins 266 yards to 187. In case you forget, he also is an elite runner of the ball. He's not a running back. He outrushes Dalvin Cook 120 yards to 110. So he, he, he alone outstrips the entire Minnesota Vikings offense in this game. And then the other question, the other thing that we were hearing where Lamar Jackson was concerned and the way how Baltimore especially likes to, you know, run the ball and ball control and take mm. the, well, win the time of possession is that they can't play from behind. But that's what he just did. Again, he came back from 10 points down in the fourth quarter, got to overtime, took his team down the field and got into position for a winning field goal. He is the offense in Baltimore and all he does is win. And know that they have found ways to win these games in difficult circumstances week after week after week, then there is lots for them to build on 
and they know for me have to be considered one of the favorites to come out of the AFC. That's fair. Now, we made mention of a few of these upsets, these underdogs that took down the big dogs this week. But, of course, there were some other upsets that happened this week. Mm -hmm. The Atlanta Falcons, they came into my dome and they beat my Saints 27 to 25, similar to what happened to Justin Fields. We scored too early, left too much time on the clock. And we got we were continually getting beat by the big play. So it to me, it was not really a surprise then that we ended up losing that game. We could have been considered for me uh, one of the moral victors because we were able to get at least to the fourth quarter, keeping the game close. We were able to take the lead, but we were not able to maintain that. Denver, the Denver Broncos, my current home team, came into your town and ramshackled the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world 30 to 16. Give up two garbage time touchdowns, and that's how the score actually seems relatively respectable. But there was nothing respectable about what was happening during that game, and then. The hapless Raiders, who, well, we'll get to them later. They lost to the Giants 23 to 16. So there was an interesting thing that came out this week for, especially for those who are of the games of chance, um, liking and wanting to, you know, like to put down some money on some games. If you had put down $100 on the Browns, winning the Giants, the Falcons, the Broncos, and the Jaguars winning. That $100 would have netted you $57,800. Oh, I didn't even know. I did not know it was that much. You said, yeah. wait, wait, you said which games? The Browns? The Browns, the Giants, Giants the Falcons, Falcons, the Broncos, and the Jaguars. And Jags. Oh, right, okay. $100 parlay would have given you $57,800. Wow. Yeah. That no, one re- no one reportedly won that, right? No, no, no. Apparently no one actually hit on that bet. But, I mean... No one in the world was thinking that. Nope. <laughs> no one in the world was thinking that. But, I mean, this when you see these kinds of um, numbers that you could win, you can understand no way... White people, yeah. Yeah, white people would be tempted Mm -hmm. to engage in such kinds of transactions. Speaking of transactions, Odell Beckham Jr., as we reported last week, he was released. He was put on waivers on Monday for, well, by the Browns. They reworked his deal in such a way that Odell Beckham Jr., would most likely get his pick of teams because if anyone picked him up on waivers, then they would also pick up his $7.25 million contract for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Browns is still going to pay him $3 million for this season. And then whoever picks him up, they can pay him whatever they want for the rest of 2021. And of course, they will have the opportunity to 
work a new deal in for him heading into 2022. Mm-hmm. So, AJ, the reports are that Odell Beckham Jr. intends to sign with Seattle. That's what the rumor mill is putting out there. How do you feel first? How do you feel about Beckham being released and then him potentially going to Seattle? I think them releasing him is the right move. It it wasn't a good fit. Um, I think in the beginning he tried to be a brown, but he's not a brown, and he he. I mean, it's it's basically obvious, right? That the, this offense has a particular system, and it does not facilitate his skill set, or uh, I should say, constant usage of his skill set. Um, not not even constant, but even it seems not not even a sparse usage of his skill set is is required in this offense. So um, they're a very run centric team. You know that they have like the best tandem in the league at at running back. Have we as as much as because my guy? I've never been afraid to admit he's a limited quarterback. He, I, I, I it was evident early, like when OBJ just joined that Baker used to try to force the ball to him a lot, and that was not working. Now they have a coaching who has some sort of sense about him, and he's restructured the offense, and it just doesn't include the guy. And I mean that's one thing, but to go as far as and I, I, I will say it, to, to, to go as far as having that video posted of your quarterback and basically pointing on all the times when he did not throw the ball to you. I don't care if OBJ didn't press said He knew it was happening, though. Or he knew when it happened. <laughs> he didn't try to stop it or take it down or anything like that. Not, not that he himself posted it, but still made no effort, hasn't spoken anything about it. So he knew, he knows, he knows and he knew when it was happening. So um, you don't want that kind of, that kind of juju in your living, in your, not living room, <laughs> in, your, um, in your dressing room. So he had to go. He had to go. The, I, as I pointed out earlier, the team is very much behind Baker. They believe in him as a leader. Um, and so it was, it, was, it was him or Baker. And he had to be shown the door. He's not needed. So I, I'm not surprised or I don't think that anything is wrong with it. About him going to Seattle, why? I don't understand. I, I don't understand why it would be Seattle. Why he would want to go to Seattle? Because I'm pretty sure other teams have reached out. I, I genuinely don't understand why Seattle. Um, because I, part of, of what I saw is that he really wants to be on a contending team. So if you go to Seattle, I don't, <laughs> I don't, and 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 can again, I'll go back to what I said, something I said at the beginning of the season, and the and you remember this very well. I said that this team was not going to be good this season. They're not, Ken. We, I know you, you don't believe that this team is making the playoffs. So what is it that OBJ is? Does he just want to be the shining? Because even if if he goes to Seattle, number one, he's not making the postseason. Number two, he's not going to be the star receiver in the team. So I, I don't understand what he wants if this is actually true. I think it makes absolutely no sense, and I'm hoping that this is just some, some, some falsified media report. So I, I echo a lot of what you said with regards to um, Odell Beckham Jr. and his place in the offense of the Browns. The, the issue that I have, especially you now with him looking to leave and go to Seattle. 
of all places. Now, Seattle offensively is set up very, very similarly to Cleveland. If their running backs are healthy, they are a run-first offense. They're, they're not a team that likes to allow their quarterback to go there and throw the ball all over the place, even though he has the ability to. But part of that, too, is because they just can't pass block. And that's why he keeps getting hurt. That team is good at run blocking, but when it comes to pass blocking, they are less than. And when you look now at Odell Beckham Jr. going to Seattle, as you said just now, he is not going to be the star receiver. He will be coming in as the third receiver on that team because they already have Taylor Lockett. They already have DK Metcalf. When they're looking to the future and who would they most likely look to keep and put you know, the, the money into, it is going to be DK Metcalf first because of his physical profile. Then maybe he can get somewhere in there between him and Tyler Lockett. But Tyler Lockett is the loyal son of Seattle. He is a much better run blocker than Odell Beckham Jr. ever has been at any point in time in his career. So when you take all of that into consideration, there are legitimate questions for him going over to Seattle. Now, one of the things that I can guess is attracting him over to Seattle is that of the teams that need Odell Beckham Jr., they have the best combination of cap space and quarterback because they have like $13 million right now available within the cap. And then Russell Wilson is about to return from injury reserve to face the Packers on Sunday. Now, their run offense, as I said, when healthy, that's who that's what they want to do, but they've not been healthy. And as a result, if they have Beckham joining DK and Lockett, it does pre- present a very tantalizing prospect for what their passing offense can look like. But at the end of the day, there are other teams that he will have the profile. And well, he may have to take less money now, but they can find ways to work him in, I guess, going forward. Kansas City still are looking for help at the wide receiver position, although wide receiver is not the position that they really should be looking for help. The New Orleans Saints, if Jameis was healthy, I would say that we would accept that we we never have cap space. We would have been one of the more attractive propositions for Odell Beckham because he would be he would instantly be the guy. Even if he still comes, no, he would be the guy in our offense because right now that offense is Alvin Kamara and then basically whoever else at wide receiver, especially now that we know that Michael Thomas is not coming back for the year. But I don't know why Beckham would be so focused on Seattle. He would have to know. He would have to know. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't tick any, any of the boxes of of what we have heard the criteria to be. I like I said, it, they're not a playoff team, and he's not going to go there and be the old and old starter. Like 
And, and, and as you said, it, they, they are a run first team. And I was just here looking, as you were saying that and I was listening, I was just here looking to try and gauge like, how, how is it, like how many, how many, uh, uh, like how many targets per game per se that, that these receivers get? Because, because I mean, obviously they're the two receivers, but there are still other options in this team that Russell likes to throw the ball to. So I, it's not like the offense is going to, like the passing offense even is going to be run through him, mm -hmm. through OBJ. So I, like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I've seen suggestions. Honestly, I, I, let, let me be a homer for a minute, right? I would mm -hmm. love it if he was to come to the Patriots. I, I think that we should be trying to, to convince him to come. However, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. I just, I just prefer it when my team actually tries to make these moves. I at least show some intent and mm -hmm. try to do it. You know what I mean? If yeah. Obviously, we had a great chance if number 12 was still on the center, but you know, that's history. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that I would at least like my team to, to approach him. If he turns this down, then cool. You can't do anything about that, but you tried. Because there are more attractive options out there. But if this, if, if this man turns down to go Seattle, and, and I understand they, they do have the better quarterback, but like right now, which team is trending upwards and which one is trending downwards? It, yep. it, and and, and in, in, in the New England offense, the passing offense can be, like he could head straight to the, to the top of the class there. The, our, our offense could be run through him in, in, in that respect. We, I mean, it's a better fit than Seattle, I'm just saying. I, there's so many other teams to me that are better fits than Seattle. I really hope this, is, this isn't true. I mean, I don't really care that much. <laughs> but I just, it would just make me shake my head if, this, if after all of the, the histrionics that this is where he was to end up. At a hapless and, and downward spiraling Seattle team. Of course. So that's enough on Odell Beckham. But this week we have, that's what he said. That's making an appearance because there's a he that had a lot to say. And AJ, I believe that I, it would be remiss of me not to give you an opportunity to speak on this. And this should come as no surprise to anyone as we hinted at it on Instagram just yesterday. That's what he said. We're looking at Mr. Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers has COVID. And for those who didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was not, he is not vaccinated. And Aaron Rodgers, he has a weekly spot that he does on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesdays. Why is it important that I'm saying he does this spot on Tuesdays? Because on Friday, after he was pronounced to be out of the game because he has COVID, Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show to tell his side of the tale. And one of the main things that he said in this um expose that he gave the diatribe that he 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 provided he said he didn't lie aj and roger said he did not lie when he said yes i'm immunized to a question of are you vaccinated now i don't know if you saw today but aaron rogers when when he said today today is tuesday as we're recording this aaron rogers he came back on the pat mcafee show for his regular um spot and he said that 
maybe he misled the folks when he said that he was um, immunized and not vaccinated. So I'm going to stop talking here. I'm going to give you the opportunity. That's what he said, AJ. What do you have to say about what he said? So I didn't, I did not see the latest iteration of his appearance on Pat McAfee's show, as in the one that would have been most recent Tuesday. I saw the very first one after it was announced that he was out. Uh, first of all, let me, uh, let me preface this by saying my issue with Aaron Rodgers is not that he has not been vaccinated. I am not one of the people that is like against those who have some sort of hesitation with being vaccinated, right? I don't want to get too much into that, but but I understand that he 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 mentioned a term in his in 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 um, the previous McAfee appearance, I, I meaning the first of the, the two since the, the incident, since being um, um, diagnosed with COVID. Um, he mentioned the term bodily autonomy. And I, I believe in that in some regard. Like this, this is not a one-size-fits-all situation. So I get that some people will be hesitant. That's cool. Let me reiterate again. I have no issue with Aaron Rodgers not being vaccinated. First of all, even, even when um, it was first announced and then all the news, all the news items came up. And I mean, we knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't vaccinated because he said so. But, you know, I didn't know that he had that interview where he said, yeah, I'm immunized. I didn't know about that, you know. Oh. That only came up. Yeah, that only came. So I only saw this after. So mm. imagine my surprise when I was like, wait, what? I, I was, so between the time that it was announced that he had COVID and he was out and his appearance on McAfee's show, I, I, I was hearing a story about, you know, like, and seeing, seeing the clip obviously being played over and over with him responding to the question. I was kind of more shaking my head. It was like, oh come on, Aaron. That's what she could do. Like, <laughs> this is what. But I was, I was kind of like shaking, shaking my head more so. But I wasn't really peeved as yet. You know what really got me miffed with Aaron Rodgers? It, 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 it was that that appearance and 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 something you just mentioned where he doubled down on saying that I did not lie. It, boy, that 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 is the worst part of it for me. You know? That's the part I really got under my skin. It's a Dublin don't like don't Aaron Rodgers, don't talk to big people as if we're stupid. Don't piss on us and try to tell us his reign. You knew exactly what you did. Yes, you did lie. It was a yes or no question. Are you vaccinated? Don't talk, don't tell us about yes, I'm immunized. And then and then double down on it on the on, on the show, talking about, well, I didn't lie, and then. Give some grand old soliloquy that was uh, try basically trying to to make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? And then for you to come and tell me now, because I didn't even know that this happened more in the most recent episode that he said maybe he did mislead. Well, no BS, Sherlock. <laughs> so it it took you all of this time to come to this conclusion. For you to for you to have the self awareness to realize that you did miss like you know that had to be someone probably in his ear saying that because if Aaron Rodgers took a, a, an entire like week and some to come to that realization after and, and act like he was some kind of victim for lying, well cl clearly 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 I, I, this man is out of his mind. Clearly he's out of his mind. I I again let me go back to the beginning. 
Aaron Rodgers' choice to not be vaccinated is, is, is all up to him. I hold no, I, I do not begrudge him that decision. It is the doubling down on the lie when he blatantly stood in front of the media and said, to the, and, re, and responded to the question, are you vaccinated? It was his response of, um, yes, I'm immunized. And then going on Pat McAfee's show, after, after the entire story broke and saying, no, I did not lie. That part is why I think Arodas made himself look like a damn fool. And then to still come out on an episode after that and say, well, yeah, maybe I did miss... Ken, the floor is yours. <laughs> so I went on this just in, hashtag this just in on Monday. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm this sorry I was unable to make that because I know that had to yes. be a topic of this. Of course, this 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 was in the air block. This led the show when we talked about Aaron Rodgers' Friday performance. You gotta call it performance, because <laughs> no, I'm not going. I'm not going to be long on this one. One of the main points that I made when I spoke about this on Monday was the fact that the entire world knows that Aaron Rodgers lied when he said, yes, I'm immunized, when he said no, when he's now trying to make it seem as if we are the ones that are making more of this than needs to be made of because he is just practicing bodily autonomy. If Aaron Rodgers just said, my body, my choice, and I choose not to be vaccinated, that would have opened up other questions. Yes. However, we would not be now looking and sifting through everything to see when and where and how did he lie. No, Aaron Rodgers in that Friday interview, he said that one of the reasons that he didn't want to, he didn't come out and say that he was not vaccinated is because he basically, he did not want to deal with the backlash of him not being vaccinated. He gets and he says that the NFL is trying to make all those players who are not vaccinated out to be the villains and the woke mob is after them. He needs to look at what the whole term of being woke has to do with and it has nothing to do with vaccination statuses. Let's just put that there first off. The other issue that I had where Aaron Rodgers was concerned was the misinformation that he was spouting on the Pat McAfee show when he was talking about this whole vaccination issue. Like you, if he doesn't want to be vaccinated, cool. I don't care because he is not interacting with me. Therefore, he's not putting me under in, in any kind of risk. But when you look at Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, to this point, as far as we are aware, he is not vaccinated. We know that um, Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz he yeah. is not vaccinated. Lamar Jackson, is also not vaccinated. So we have three high-profile quarterbacks who are not vaccinated. There are no mobs outside their door holding pitchforks and torches ready to storm the Bastille and hold them down and jab a syringe in their arm. So the backlash that Aaron is getting now is all because of his duplicity in trying not to let everybody know what the position was to begin with. And further to that, when you are in an unvaccinated individual, you are supposed to come to all of your media availability if you are in a room with people and wear a mask. 
Alan Lazard, his teammate, is also not vaccinated. And what came out in this entire situation was that Alan Lazard, while he is not vaccinated, he has done all of his media availability on Zoom. Similar to how you and I are here talking. So he's talking and everybody's there watching him on Zoom and he's talking to them free. Aaron Rodgers, except for at the very beginning of the season, every single time he has been on a podium in front of people, he has not had a mask on, which would give anybody who's just looking on and understanding what the protocols are. You would then think that Aaron Rodgers is vaccinated. No, this, I made this point on Monday when we talked about it. Because one of the questions that was asked was in terms of um, penalties. What penalties should be levied against Rodgers and the Packers? And it said, well, the Saints, we had three violations in 2022. Sorry, in 2020 into the 2021 season, which ended up costing $700,000 and a six-round draft pick. Aaron Rodgers has not worn a mask at any point in time on the podium for the first seven weeks of the season. That's seven violations. If we lost a six-round draft pick at $700,000, then they should be throwing the book at the Packers and Aaron Rodgers for this. Because fear is fear. And then the last, the very last thing you have to say on this, I'll let you get back in if you have anything else to add. But when you are going to say that your all of your information that you're getting on this topic comes from Joe Rogan and his podcast, Last I checked, Joe Rogan is not a, a medical practitioner. He is not any kind of um, infectious disease expert. But you're talking to Joe Rogan, and that's where you're getting your information. Well, AJ, he might as well have listened to the Green Beige podcast and made his decision from us. And I'm done. I'm done with Aaron Rodgers and this topic, for sure. Yeah, that was, that was the other point that was running through my mind. You just made it to basically sum up everything. But um, that was the one thing I forgot to mention before that also had me like, what? Out. It, it, and, and, and we were, and I noticed in a chat that at, there was a particular point, like shortly after it came out, you did admit that he did make some, that Aaron Rodgers made some valid points in, in some of what he said, right? Mm-hmm. There were also some things that were completely egregious. Uh, like I said, for me, start, he started wrong. He started wrong, so he couldn't end right. But that whole thing about, oh, I didn't lie. Like, yes, you did. Just, just own up to it and let's move past it. Mm-hmm. That, that, really, that, that one really grind my gears, right? But then it was to hearing that part about Joe Rogan. I, I, like Joe, I, don't, I don't know what you believe in, Rogers. I don't know if you believe in Scientology, whatever the case is. But Joe Rogan, clearly, you, you, you believe very much in Joe Rogan. And, and that was some of the dumbest-ish that I had heard <laughs> from someone who's supposed to possess, who I, who I expect to possess a lot more common sense since he's able to learn an entire offensive playbook and, and, and do the things he does year in and year out. I, it, that, that, dumb is just the word I could use. I'm, I'm not saying he's a dumb person. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I don't want it to come across as, a, as if I'm calling him dumb, but... Some of the things he said were absolutely dumb. Dumb is the only word I can use. Agreed. So we'll leave Aaron Rodgers and what he said right there. All right. So, AJ, as we're getting ready to wrap this up this week, you know, we'd like to let you know, first off, which teams are on buys coming up for week 
10. And in week 10, we have the Chicago Bears, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Houston Texans, and the New York Football Giants. They are all on buys. Especially for the Texans, it is good because that means they don't lose this week. So, now we look ahead as well to the matchups for this week. And there are lots of good ones. AJ, which games are you paying closest attention to for week 10? Well, right now, I have my... I have to mention my pictures once again. Um, right now, we're on a three-game winning streak, which is obviously the best that we've been on um, for the entire season. We're at home hosting the Browns, who we spoke about earlier on in the show, are coming off of that spectacular win. Um, they've been going through some stuff themselves, but it seems like they've cleansed their aura a bit, and they're coming to Foxborough. So um, that is a game I'll definitely be keeping my eyes on. Um, also, the Vikings Chargers. Now, I, I don't have much faith in the Vikings to do anything much, but <laughs> if there's one thing they have been doing this season is keeping games close. They haven't been really getting blown out, even in games that they've lost. The Chargers, I, I actually considered the Chargers as one of my least inspiring wins this, um, for this week. But mm -hmm. I decided to go in a different direction because I feel like the Chargers should have been should have been dominating the Eagles a bit more than they did. But as Nick Sirianni, as, as he said in the interview, maybe, maybe the flowers are actually starting to bloom or whatever was the analogy he used <laughs> and whatnot. You know, I don't know if you heard that speech. But either way, um, that's another... Matchup that I'll definitely be looking at the Vikings Chargers and yeah, so we have the Seahawks Packers uh, as the um, evening on Sunday uh, and so you said Russ is supposed to be back. Yes, um, Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be back. I have no idea what's exact exactly what is happening, but either way, the this is still an intriguing matchup for the um, Packers because Jordan Love was not good. <laughs> <laughs> he was not good against the Chiefs and it, to be quite honest that was a winnable game if, if Aaron Rodgers were there that could have been a winnable game he was not good so this is like it. you could say that it was you know it was his first start and blah 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 so there were other factors to consider but at the same time now we're getting to see him after if there's another week to, to help him prepare for this matchup they'll be at home so I'm really interested to see how this goes, especially with Russ just coming back off of this um, injury and surgery. So I think this should be a good matchup. It's, again, this is, it feels like a relegation six-pointer because of the fact that it's Jordan Love in and not, um, and not Aaron Rodgers. So there is a possibility that Rodgers might play on Sunday. Um, he is going to be what well provided that everything goes well with his tests. He should be reinstated on Saturday which gives him an outside shot to play on Sunday. If Aaron Rodgers is fit and healthy to play, regardless of what the circumstances are, he is going to play on Sunday. Because, as you said, Jordan Love did not fill anybody's heart with confidence on this past week, playing against... I mean, yes, okay, playing in Arrowhead is difficult, but you would have hoped that he would have shown a bit more than he did. Now, all of the games that you made mention of, I had listed as my uh, three of the tastiest matchups. I only have two to add. 
Of course, the first one is my Saints going to Tennessee to play against the Titans. The Tennessee Titans, their defense has been playing well. My defense has been playing at an elite level. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. Um, especially knowing that we've had some or we've had lots of issues with our quarterbacks recently. Um, so that I'm very I'm gonna be paying, I'll have that on the big screen, and then I'll probably have lots of screens dotting around me so I can keep mm-hmm. tabs on the other games. The other one is the Sunday night game, the Chiefs and the Raiders. And we continually have this morbid curiosity where the Chiefs are concerned. We could have the Chiefs on our um, least inspiring victory pretty much every week this season for that they've won. <laughs> Fast. And they could have been the worst the worst losers for every week that they lost. So them going up against the Raiders, the Raiders coming up next, um, but there is always going to be curiosity, especially with a division game. So right now, the Chargers are leading that division and the Chiefs and the Raiders are two and three. So it will be a good game. I am very curious to see how that goes. All right. So we haven't had it for a couple of weeks, but this week, the final thought returns and it is my turn. And this week for the final thought, um, you have to bear with me a second because it is going to meander a bit at the beginning. But it is based on what is happening in Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders are having probably the most, what is the word I'm looking for? The most controversial season in their history. And this is a team that had the moniker of being the bad boys of the NFL. And they clearly are living up to their name. So for those of you who may have just emerged from a cave and did not know what was happening, John Gruden, he started the season pretty well coaching the Raiders. And now he is out because decades, uh, well, a decade-long email trail of bad behavior has made his position untenable, and he was fired. Then, last week, we were made aware that Henry Ruggs III, wide receiver for, well, former, no, wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, he had a tragic motor vehicle accident, and now he is facing every charge that the DA in Vegas can find to throw at him. And now, Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett, he was the 2020 first-round pick cornerback. And he went on Instagram Live, so for the world to see. And apparently, he and someone had had some level of negative interaction. And as a result, he wanted to show that he had enough guns to outfit a small militia and telling this individual to pull up. So, um, Arnett, no, he has been cut from the Raiders. No, it caused me to go look this up a little bit because as a first round pick, you would expect that, you know, you would have some level of rope given to you. First round picks usually aren't jettisoned that quickly. However, as we 
I don't know if you saw AJ, but we were talking about the situation in one of our uh, WhatsApp chats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arnett has not been playing well. He has not been playing well at all. Arnett has not started a game at all for this season. He has allowed five receptions on eight targets. He has three tackles for 2021. He has not really been on the field. And now he's off the team and potentially out of the league. And his production does not suggest that this is somebody that anybody else, especially know, is going to give him another chance. No, somehow, I think that one, if his numbers were good, he may not have been cut. And if he was on another team, that was not embroiled in scandal after scandal this season. He may not have been cut, but he's not been playing well. And the fact that the Raiders can't keep themselves out of the headlines, they had no choice but to cut him. Now, what that then led my thought towards was based on a tweet that Kadarius Tony wide receiver for the New York Giants sent out in relation to Henry Ruggs. Now, I don't know if you can really say that this is a tweet defending Ruggs necessarily, but it's a tweet that is looking, that's trying to help establish some context. And I think that the context that he was making is one that is worthy of consideration. Now, I too am not in any way, shape or form trying to excuse Henry Ruggs. For those who saw our show last week, I was very strong in my condemnation of him driving drunk and the speeds that he was doing. He was going faster than my Toyota Highlander can even measure on my speedometer. But Tony said, and I quote, we young, everybody makes mis- everybody make mistakes. Y'all looking at the situation like this or that because it ain't y'all having so much to say. He know he messed up. Don't drag him for it. That's goofy to me. Just pray for the families involved. The overarching theme of his statement is Henry Ruggs is young and the majority of the players in the NFL are young. When you think of the average age of a draftee, he's 22 years old. The average length of a regular football player's career is three years. So you start at 22 and you're out of the league by 25. You're still young. These are guys who are, yes, they're grown men, but they're still immature. A lot of them come from hard backgrounds and they're now making more money than many of us will see in our lifetimes. Now, when I look at what Tony said, his heart was in the right place. Like Derek Carr, Tony is choosing to employ empathy at a difficult time for a no-former teammate. The timing might be off, but there's never a better time to support your friend than in their time of need. And we have to be honest with ourselves. It's easy for us to sit at home behind a keyboard and criticize these young men for what they're doing. And honestly, oftentimes they earn it. We can clone them for when they do something stupid and definitely hold them accountable when they step out of line. But remember, too, that they're young and trying to figure things out in a very public space. Let's hope that the NFL gives them 
helps them get the guidance that they need so that they so that we won't only be proud of them on Sundays. Succinct. Makes sense. Nothing more to add here. I... All right. I agree. So that now brings us to the end of this week's Green Beige podcast. Of course, you will see us again tomorrow as we do our fantasy spot, helping you get prepared for what is to come this week in fantasy. And of course, looking back to a very eventful week nine in the fantasy space. So we will leave it here for today. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And we will see you next time.